Yo, my apes, degens, wasis, and yunts. It's your host, Rogatachi, here to give you another episode of the crypto podcast that everyone who is going to make it listens to. That, of course, is Goodwill Yunting, presented by Yunt Capital. Now we're back with episode nine of Goodwill Yunting, and I'm super excited to get into it with the guests we have on joining us today. But before that, a quick message from our lovely sponsors. Alchemix is truly one of the most exciting DeFi protocols in the game right now. In just a few clicks, you can get self-repaying loans. That means you can save, earn, and spend all at once. To use it, you can deposit the collateral of Dire ETH, which is put into a urine vault where the yield pays back the loan automatically. Best of all, you can't be liquidated on these loans, so you can do all your favorite degen yunting without any fear of losing that principle. This is just the beginning for the protocol, as V2 is on its way with a whole bunch of new collateral types such as Bitcoin, SUSD, Tether, and more. V2 will allow you to choose your yield strategy, so if you want to yunt your way into a higher risk reward yield strategy, that freedom is in your hands. I'm personally stoked for the DAO, which will make ALCX, the governance token, yield-bearing. Yes, that means you will get paid in protocol revenue, giving you a diverse portfolio of all the different stable and speculative collateral types Alchemix has to offer. Join your way into an Alchemix vault at alchemix.fi and find them on Twitter at alchemix.fi. Also, join the Discord to get involved in that super fun community and find me your favorite yun. And now, a message from our newest sponsor, Olympus. If you don't know about Olympus by now, I do not know what to tell you, especially since we had two whole episodes about it. But Olympus is quickly becoming the reserve currency of DeFi and is one of the few protocols that owns 99% of its liquidity, currently over $100 million. Many young capital members have been OMIs since the beginning and are still 3-3-ing. Olympus's growth since launch has been exponential. In less than six months, all market cap has surpassed a billion dollars and entered the top 100. As an investor, you can bond to receive OM at a discount or stake your OM to earn over 7,000% APY. Olympus has recently launched Olympus Pro, an enterprise product that allows protocols to capture and own their liquidity. Olympus has an active and awesome community, and you don't want to miss out on their next event, FOMO 3, taking place this Friday from September 24th to the 26th. Expect industry-leading speakers, Ledger hardware wallet giveaways, alpha leaks, and much more. Be sure to join the Olympus Discord now at discord.gg forward slash OlympusDAO to participate in pre-party giveaways and community events leading up to FOMO 3. Thank you, Alchemix and Olympus, for the sponsorships. As always, Goodwill Yunting is the crypto podcast for DGENs by DGENs. We are here not with financial advice, but to offer Goodwill Alpha on all the best projects to do deep researchical dives into. Yeah, that's right, researchical. I just made that up, but now it's a real word. Each episode, various members of Young Capital will hop on to explore your new favorite crypto, NFT, or DeFi topic. Us Yunts, combined with our brilliant guests, create a podcast that you'll want to tell your friends, family, and even elderly cashier at your local grocery store about.
Now today, we have on two guests from a protocol that once I figured out how the hell they're doing what they're doing, I was deeply impressed. But first, joining me on the young side of things is the man I get half my investment strategies from. That, of course, is Jala. And we're lucky to have on with us today, TN and GT from Pendle Finance. Pendle is the protocol that many apes and institutions are and will be jumping into. It's a protocol that makes complexity simple. Protocol, I'm happy to have them on to talk about it. Welcome to you all. Yeah, likewise. Um, thank you for yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Hey, thanks for having us. So let's let's get right into it. Could you guys give a, our listeners an intro into your background and how you got into crypto? We can start with UTN and then go to GT. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I started crypto professionally as a career in 2017 when I joined Kyber as a founding team member. So I, I learned a ton at Kyber. So basically, I think the, the uh, Kyber has provided a very, very good starting point for me because I got to be involved in the growth side, uh, community building, and then eventually I became the head of business for, for, for the project. Got to know a lot of very brilliant minds over there, and that was also where I um, I, I I worked with GT for the first time. So after that, we we, we decided to leave uh, Kyber and and start our own shop. Yeah, um, personally, uh, before I met Tian, I was uh, trading commodities. Uh, then I learned. Then I met Tian, and he was doing some Ethereum mining and teaching him about teaching me about ICOs. And eventually, that's what pulled me over into the crypto side, and what how I eventually joined Kybert. Uh, and yeah, we we vibe pretty well together, uh, and we've we've worked together for quite a while since. Yeah, I was gonna say like uh, to to add on to that, right? So 20, 2018 was probably the first time that we started working together, but in twenty nineteen we started a small company, and we decided to work on numerous projects because all this while we've we've always wanted to build products. So this was all before Pendle, right? And early 2019, we, we, we set up a shop and we started working on projects that are related to crypto. And I remember one of the first projects that we did together was to develop software for users to mine privacy coins like Monero and Beam using FPGAs. And of course, it's not just the two of us, right? So in fact, the people at Pendle today I'd say in the early, the founders, we've, we've started working together back in 2019 and we were exploring multiple directions. So tw- 2019 was where we started with the uh, mining software, but eventually we figured that we are better off just providing software engineering solutions. So in 2020, we pivoted and focused exclusively on the software development side of things. And that was also where we got to work with other projects, other layer ones, including Tezos, Iotex, Zilliqa, and got to learn a lot more about the different ecosystems. And I think all this different experience coming together, right, provided a very good foundation for us to build what Pendle is today. Absolutely. That's a really interesting background. And I like how you guys have been working together for a while and then kind of 
you know, always had building in mind and, and working together. And now you've, you've built Pendle together, which is really sweet background. And GT, I love to hear that you were, in, that you were both in the uh, ICO phase. It, it feels like everyone we've had on talks about uh, losing money and getting rugged in ICOs. It's, it's the rite of passage in crypto, really, to be a, a, to be a part of that. Uh, so that's, that's, that's funny to hear. So I'm curious, uh, kind of going off of that, especially as you were saying, you guys had so many interests and were kind of building and exploring so many different aspects of crypto in the space. What kind of brought you to DeFi? What hole in the DeFi ecosystem did you see that led to the creation of Pendle and that that was where you wanted to focus your time and energy? So, so for the greater part of last year, right, we were really just providing software engineering solutions to the different layer ones, as I mentioned earlier. But what happened in July, August period, right, got, got us thinking more deeply into the opportunities in DeFi. Because most of us here, we, we, we would have gone through the DeFi summer last year, right? So a lot of food coins, a lot of very interesting projects came out in a very short span of time. And everyone was just capitalizing on the high yield that all these different food farms or interesting projects offered. So we were also one of them, right? As we were, we were thinking about the entry points for us, we, we also observed that these very attractive yields from the food farms, they were fleeting. So one day it could be 10,000% APY, and then the next day it could drop to 50. And then it, it, it's just very difficult to keep track of and, and because they're, they're always very, very volatile. So it occurred to us that this could be an opportunity for us to work on, right? Because when we compared the DeFi ecosystem to traditional or legacy financial markets, we, we recognize that fixed rate products play a very significant role in, in, the, in the financial market, but fixed rate products were largely absent in crypto. As of, uh, as of last year. So knowing that with, with, with more yield exposure across a broader audience in, in crypto and DeFi, they will likely want to have a way to manage their yield. So thinking about the natural progression of how financial markets evolve, we feel, we feel pretty comfortable that over time with greater awareness and, and educations in the crypto DeFi sector, people will, 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 will find a use case in fixed rate products. So that, that really became a motivation for us to work on Pendle. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, absolutely. So to get into Pendle itself, basically, as I understand it, Pendle at its core is a protocol to tokenize future yields with an actual in-house built AMM system and this would give users the option to lock in fixed interest rates while allowing for things like trading of yields and the opportunity to generate additional yields. Would you say this is a fair description? I, I, would, I would definitely say it's pretty accurate. Uh, what I would like to add on is that we, we always get compared to like traditional markets. Uh, you know, like how yield trading is, you know, the most, is like the biggest possible market in, in, in the traditional space. But I actually think like, you know, uh, it's very interesting to think about how deep the DeFi space can expand beyond traditional finance. 
so just as an example, we recently launched support for LP tokens. Uh, basically, Uni and Sushi LPs can now hedge their future uh, swap fees. And that's a, that's a use case that is completely specific to DeFi itself. And there's no, there's basically no ChatFi equivalent, right? And that, that's kind of like where I, I personally find to be very exciting to build towards in this space. I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because it's, it's, it's super interesting. And I hadn't thought about, I hadn't thought about that, the fact that like the addressable market here is different than traditional finance. Um, and, and the possibilities really kind of are endless. Um, I, I wonder though, you know, it, it, even within traditional finance, people who don't work in, 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 in interest rate swaps or, or, or credit, you know, it's a pretty esoteric space. And I wonder, you know, how, how do you guys see uh, like the, who, who your users are today? Like, do they understand it? Um, and, and, and what's the learning curve like? And who do you see as the ultimate user of these products? So, so uh, in, in regards to the target audience, right, I would say as of now, we are, we are seeing mostly hedge funds or more sophisticated traders who are utilizing our products. Again, because this is a rather new product category in the entire DeFi ecosystem, right? So, and, and, and the fact that the user experience is also rather foreign to, to most people, they will have to interact with multiple interfaces in order to get to the final outcome as of now. I think it, 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 it is still largely confined to people who, who know DeFi a bit more intimately. So again, like looking at our LP provision amount, typically on average, a wallet would maybe contribute about hundred dollars to $150,000 worth of funds to, 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 to the pools. So this is certainly bigger than, than what most retail users are comfortable with. Now, I think in terms of the, the way we look to maybe educate users and improve the user experience, right? There, there are several, several ways that we're looking at it. In large, education is going to be one of the areas that we will continue to invest our efforts and resources into because we're still very, very early in the entire technology maturity curve. And there are so many different possibilities that, that we can expect from yield trading. Again, we were touching on the, the fact that this is a rather esoteric product and there are so many different types of platforms and DeFi venues that will offer yield. And, and frankly speaking, right, I think this, was, this is something that, that excited us in the very beginning because we anticipate that people will become more exposed to yields through all these DeFi venues. And naturally, as they become more exposed to yield, they will have to figure out a way to manage their risk exposure because it's generally not very sustainable. Like let's say if you have exposures on 10 different DeFi venues, right? And every one of these DeFi venues offer floating rates, it's, it's, it's very hard to keep track of. So what, what we can offer users over here is, is the ability to lock in rates for some of the platforms that they have exposure in. Now, in terms of the education, I, I, I think there are different ways that we're looking to improve on, 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 on the way we uh, work on it. So the content is one aspect. Uh, we have been providing very consistent content on the use cases, the base strategies that users can expect and anticipate 
if they were to utilize Pendle to manage the yield. And I think we're also looking to generate content through partnerships, basically to reinforce the narrative that we are we are a platform that 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 really maximizes on the composability of what what DeFi offers. And then secondly, I think in terms of the the user experience, right? In order to really improve on the adoption of the technology that we're currently providing, we, we, we are looking to improve the usability of the product. Again, what we have, at least as of now, in Q3 2021, right, is, is a product that is functional. It is a product that people can really utilize to lock in their rates. So, so we're not just some vaporware. So this has always been the, 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 the part that we, we try to emphasize on. So as soon as we are able to prove the validity of the product, we, are, we, we will proceed to improve the user experience. And this, this is the focus for us in, in the late Q3 and Q4 period. So coming Q4, you will, you will see product, features like one-click reference, right? Basically abstracting away the steps involved for any users to take part in our protocol. Again, we are also very aware that gas is a big factor and a consideration for most people who participate in, 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 in the Pendle protocol. So we, we will have measures to account for that as well. So, yeah, so I guess in summary, right, the education part can largely be broken down into uh, content and then distribution. And then we're also working on the usability of the product to basically improve the adoption so that having more users can, can, can reinforce that narrative. Just to d- dig a little deeper there, and just go back to the first thing you said. So are, are players today you think are using, or that you see using the protocol, are they you know, on-chain, uh, like you know, hedge funds or, or yield aggregators, you know, a la Yearn or, or, or others, or are these like external third parties um, who are managing money and, and looking to lock in yield? Yeah, certainly. So based on the user interviews that we've conducted, I would say most of the users that we've come across, they are managing they are managing funds on behalf of other individuals. And they almost always only have very exclusive involvement in DeFi. Oh, meaning to say that they are they are very focused on DeFi, but they don't have too much exposure in the centralized finance aspects. Got it. And, and just to get a sense, so so for, for one of those managers, uh, and let's let's maybe use a, a simpler case like the the, the YTAUSDC. Uh, like how how large of a position could could they hedge today, and, and to lock in the like the yields as implied by the prices? I was doing just, I was just doing a quick check on the liquidity in the in the in the market. <laughs> um, yeah, so like just for the YTAUSDC, it's for like. Three three point five million liquidity, and I would say you know, and the interesting thing about our markets is that um, when you're hedging your yield, you're trading on the YT notional value, which is right now at about six sixteen percent. Uh, sorry, sixteen cents on the dollar. So that makes it extremely actually makes it extremely efficient to hedge yields. Um, so I would say you could comfortably do maybe like 500k at every clip with reasonable slippage and that would that would translate to about 3 3 3.5 mil notional 
and and the, the difference between the notional yeah. and the face amount there or the amount that you see is that the yt just represents the yield of a full position right and so it's just the yield you're tripping but it represents a larger position yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly that uh and, and that's not not obvious to begin with but once you once like you you realize that the amount you're trading is yeah like you mentioned like the notion amount that you're trading is actually worth a much larger position uh then the you, you kind of see the effectiveness of the the u trading ecosystem that we've built here yeah it's definitely not obvious because i've used it before and i did not not notice that that's cool <laughs> yeah jala bring this right into the big brain shit that's why I bring them on. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I loved all that. So uh, even just to take a quick step back here uh, so everyone can follow along with everything, just to give a, a, a quick brief overview of actual mechanics and, and how some of this works. Basically, a user can deposit funds into Pendle, which then they would mint two tokens, the OT or ownership token and the YT or yield token. Uh, can you break down basically the purpose of both of these tokens, how they can be utilized, and uh, how the lockups work in regard to these tokens as well? I know we've already touched on uh, a bunch of this already, but yeah, absolutely. So, from the user perspective, right, they will have to. So, using AUSDC as an as an example, because AUSDC is one of the assets that Pendle Protocol supports at the moment. So the user deposits AUSDC into Pendle and the contract will mint YT AUSDC and OT AUSDC. Now, OT AUSDC stands for ownership token, which represents the ownership of the underlying. And then YT stands for yield token and it represents the yield component of the underlying. Because the Underlying here is the yield-bearing asset, right? And generally speaking, yield-bearing asset serves two functions. One is it serves as a proof of your deposit into the underlying protocol, which in this case, let's say if you deposit USDC into Aave and you will get AUSDC in return, right? And then the holding of AUSDC also entitles you to interest that will be accrued over the period of your holding. So by splitting up these two parts, in a yield-bearing asset, we allow for these two parts to be traded independently of each other. So that's really the intention of having OT and YT in place. Now, the the way we structure the trading of YT, right, is um, largely based on the expiries of the markets. So we started, like for, for AUSDC, for example, we started with... 29th of December 2022 as the first expiry. So basically it it covers the the yield that the underlying protocol will be paying out for about one and a half years. So we started the market uh, on the 17th of June this year. And then over time we also introduce the a six months contract, which will end 30th of December this year. So it I, I'd say like from 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 the perspective of protocol design, we have made very deliberate choices in making sure that the protocol is flexible 
for traders. Uh, what, what I mean is this, right? So in in the case of Pendle Protocol, when you deposit asset, there really isn't uh, a lockup duration. You you can actually deposit or add liquidity to the protocol, say today. And if you change your mind, you can withdraw it tomorrow. And, and we we think that this is very important, right? Because no trader likes to have the liquidity locked up. So the that, that that's that's how we we were thinking about it as we were designing the protocol before the expiry takes place right for example a usdc market that ends on the 30th of december this year so before that happens if you want to withdraw or redeem the underlying you will have to surrender your ot and yt to the panel protocol in order to unlock the sorry in order to redeem the underlying AUSDC. But let's say if it's after the expiry, after the 30th of December this year, you can just use the OT to redeem the underlying. And, and this is because YT by then would be valueless. Again, we go back to the definition of YT, right? YT is the yield token. And yield token is almost serving as a certificate that entitles the holder to the interest from the underlying protocol. So every passing day, the the expected interest that the YT will accrue will decline. So at maturity, which is uh, on the expiry, right, the the yield token will no longer serve any function because it will no longer be accruing interest. So by then, let's say after after the expiry, users can uh, redeem the underlying using just the OT asset. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Once you basically deposit your funds and you get this OT and YT token, you can then, as you mentioned, LP them in your AMM. What benefits does LPing provide to those looking to get uh, additional yield on your stables? And as you talked about, this YT token is ever decreasing in value. So does that pose additional IL risks? Um, are there any other uh, risks to LPing uh, these pairs? So providing liquidity for to the panel AMM is actually uh, very similar to the risk you take uh, if you were to LP in uh, Sushi or Uni. It's basically, uh, like everyone knows, like um, if the two two underlying assets you provide liquidity for they they diverge too greatly in their values when you put it in, and you when you, once you withdraw it, uh, you will realize that you will realize that difference in value. Um, so uh, providing liquidity in panel is actually very similar. Uh, Tian touched on the uh, on the topic of YT decreasing in value, um, and we and that's actually why we created a custom AMM to remove that consideration from the user's perspective. Uh, so when a user provides liquidity to Pendo, is uh, all they actually have to consider is at what price am I putting in my OTs and YTs? Uh, because that would be that would basically be where they they think about what their what their uh, what their exposure to IR would be. Um, it's also What's also beneficial in providing liquidity, liquidity to Pendo is that um, you markets, right? Let's just say like, you know, um, RVA, AUSDC, the AUSDC markets and, and compound die markets. They actually, they actually have a, they actually are quite uh, mean reverting. I mean, just for example, the rates can't go below zero and they, they probably have an upper bound cap, right? So it, even at the lows of the bet of like, you know, the mini bear market we had, we saw rates on RBA, you know, two to three percent, and 
at the highs, they were maybe 15%. You can kind of be pretty comfortable that the rates will float within that area. And what you're doing as an LP is you're actually harvesting the volatility of rates. Uh, so that's actually, from if you're to provide liquidity, uh, you can think of it as you're harvesting the volatility of these rates. And what you can be a bit more comforted in is that you can be pretty sure that rates are not going to go to 80% for an extended period of time. And it's quite impossible for it to go below zero. Uh, so I, I, for me, that's like an interesting aspect to think about from providing liquidity. Right. The IL is, is probably more limited than one would think, given that, like you said, there's there's bounds on how far it can go. And you know, probably ends up coming back to a certain range at some point, unless something crazy happens in the market. Yeah. Or, 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 or you know, like, like Ohm is the underlying asset and the APIs are just insane. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> we'll be here all night. I, I wonder. I wonder how efficient um, are, are are the markets today? Do you guys like? I know early in the early days, like there were some arbitrage opportunities between YT and OT. Do those still exist, or have people closed those out? Uh, yeah, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I like I think we were quite surprised that the market has been pretty efficient, at least from the OT and YT perspective. Like because OT and YT can always be redeemed for the online. Um, when we first launched the market, we also we expected, um, you know, there to be inefficiencies for like weeks to months. But I think within the first few days, uh, the people already arbing those uh, inefficiencies. So uh, I, I think as I don't I don't think there will be any large inefficiencies to to, to take advantage of at this point in time. Um, um, I would say though that the the opportunities are probably in hedging the U right now. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm, I'm looking at it and. Uh... The implied rates uh, pretty juicy for all our listeners out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And is, is that because is that because of the oh so, sorry to cut you off is, is that because of the um, incentive programs you think? Uh, yeah, I think that definitely plays a part. Uh, I mean, in general, like um, this, you can you can think of this as like a byproduct of the YT being so capital efficient to purchase, whereas it is not as capital efficient to uh, provide liquidity for. So uh, naturally, if there are, there's large demand to you know um, get obtain more YT tokens to provide liquidity for it, that would naturally like um, skew skew the prices upwards. Uh, but I think what's interesting about this, like as we've seen over the last three months, is that when we first launched the markets, um, when we first launched the markets, uh, the interest rates on on AUSDC and CDI were maybe like two three percent, and this they've since spiked as as the market got less less bearish. And you can, and this this kind of brings me back to the point on you know U markets being mean reverting, um, is that it was is it was a pretty, or so far it's been a pretty safe bet just to buy the YDs and provide liquidity for it and just harvest harvest the harvest the the U volatility. Whereas we had had some we had initially some concerns that you know like uh, if YT was being severely overpriced, um, but at this point in time, um, I think it's. Pretty, it's like a pretty healthy, healthy market. Uh, again, because you're thinking about the yields in a longer time frame than just one week, uh, one week, one two weeks. You're thinking them in, a, in like uh, between now and the end of this year, and and now between now and end of 2022. So uh, what you're for, what you're actually forecasting is you know the average of the yields between now and then and expiry date. That's really interesting. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of different opportunities kind of offered and. St- Kind of building off that, 
as as we've said before, that uh, yield specula- speculation is a huge market in TradFi. And as you mentioned, it almost seems like there's more or uh, increasingly unique opportunities for it in DeFi. In what ways do you see Pendle being utilized by DGENs and even DAOs and other protocols um, in the future? And maybe even, like I said, shit I can't even think of. Yeah, um, I think that's actually a really inter- interesting question because, like, uh, you know, like what what's what interests me is really like you know how Pendle can be utilized in like DeFi sp- in the DeFi specific context, and and I mean, don't get me wrong, we are we are we are literally in like the first inning, we are, like we are nowhere near close to maturity, or in terms of like what what we what innovations we see can possibly form in DeFi, uh, but at right now at this point in time, at least. Uh, uh, using the AMM LPs as an example, uh, I can I would separate it into I would sub- separate the usability into like three three buckets. Um, for the DGNs, I would say um, leverage U trading and hedging is the most obvious use case, and also the most straightforward. Um, you know, just like going leverage long on uh, what you feel on going getting leverage long exposure on the AMM uh, LP fees and hedging it when you feel like the, the rates are juicy enough. The second bucket I would say would be pool two management for protocols. And the third bucket would be treasury management for DAOs. Um, so I'll touch a bit more on these two because I think uh, it's worth explaining a bit. Uh, so once, so our support for LP tokens uh, basically uh, allows protocols to explore getting sticky, stickier liquidity uh, by incentivizing the OT and YT pairs of their pool two instead of the typical pool two setup that you see nowadays. It's, Basically, all we do is we create an additional layer on top of the pool too with the OT and YTs. And by incentivizing the OTs and YTs instead of the, so I, I, I call it the base layer pool too, it gives the protocol interesting optionality when it comes to managing the token reward program. Uh, we've only just started uh, experimenting on this front with Pendo as well. So uh, we, we, we should really see like some interesting results over the coming uh, months. Uh, and on treasury management, uh, this is also an interesting topic that uh, you guys may also have like your own opinions on. But I think like DAOs have been facing the issue of how to deploy their their treasuries that are filled with their own protocol tokens, uh, you know, without just dumping tokens into the open market. Uh, like we saw, we saw recently that uh, Uni had some pushback uh, when they they distributed some Uni for uh, their DeFi education grant, and it was just immediately market sold. And I, I think the community pushback on that was pretty strong. Uh, so one option panel offers is like, you know, for DAOs to manage their own treasury liquidity or for DAOs to manage their own, for DAOs to manage their cash flows by providing liquidity for their own token and, you know, creating the OT and YTs. Now they can always just retain their OTs, which is basically representing their own, own their token ownership. Uh, in the meantime, they can just, they can sell the YTs for operational cash flow. Because once you sell YT, you get USDC uh, upfront in your wallet. And this way they can get income without giving up their assets. And it's probably a more sustainable way, a sustainable and like, you know, community friendly way of, um, of managing a treasury. That's a really interesting idea. So basically the treasury would be giving up their yield in effect to get cash upfront to diversify. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Hmm. 
Wow, that's that's really interesting. I like that. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to think more on that one as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean these are these are just all like interesting use cases that popped up as as we launched the the feature. It's not something that we had that we had planned on being a, you know a, a core feature feature set. I think that's that's part of like why it's interesting to build in DeFi. Yeah, so I. Th- I think to add on, right, I, I recently came across a pretty interesting use case as well, but it's not necessarily different from what we're currently doing. So it, it, it might be quite specific to this particular individual, right? But basically, this, this person, he, he, reached, he reached out and he was saying that he's, he's rather wealthy and he wants to basically allow the interests of his assets to be streamed to his parents without without giving up his ownership of the underlying asset. So we, we, we chatted a little bit, but basically the use case here is similar to what GT mentioned about the DAO, DAO uh, treasury management, right? So he so so this individual could literally utilize Pendle to mint the YT and OT and send the YT to his parents as the beneficiary of the interest from the underlying protocol while he retains the ownership of the underlying asset. So again, this is probably something that is very unique to this particular individual, but I would I would I would think that over time we the the the, the use case for similar kind of uh, say scenario incidents could 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 likely increase. I actually think Jala said he was going to do that with me with his ohm. He was he was going to stake the ohm and then uh, send me all all the yields, right, Ja? I've I've been asking for this for months. <laughs> yeah, that that, that, that could it. very well happen. I think um, when we let's say if we do support um, the Uberry asset. Awesome. So, can we get into your token? It's I'm curious, do you guys have any kind of plans for possible revenue sharing or any governance structures in mind, um, how the token is going to be worked into governance? I'm curious as to what routes you might be exploring with that. Yeah, so um, I, was actually, I think that um, and right now, what we are, what our plans on like uh, focus, focus around the, Focus around the the first feature of um, supporting LP assets of how Pandora supports LP assets. So uh, we're experimenting we're experimenting with that to see if um, you know we can be creative in how we create deeper liquidity for the Pandora token. Uh, in terms of future plans for the governance itself, I mean we've always chatted about and we always take like reference from successful projects in space like um, Curve, uh, what Sushi did with XSushi. Not not to go into not doing too specific, not to go not to be too specific about revenue sharing or uh, governance structure because I'm I'm sure we'll see more and more innovative ways of governing uh, pop up in the next few months and we are always open to like incorporating like, incorporating the best of of market of what we see in the market right now into uh, panel governance. I would say at this point in time, yeah, definitely definitely, and what Curve has done with their boosting as well as their voting. Uh, has been very effective, and yeah, we we'll we'll, and this that ties it. I would say about 
70% of what we plan to do and there's another 30% that we are in we are, we are, we are we have some interesting plans on and uh, we can share more in the future are, are we dropping alpha right now about VE Pendle <laughs> too, too soon <laughs> too soon nah, nah. yeah anyway not I, just you yet. can't come on Goodwill Yunting and not drop <laughs> alpha it's you know it's <laughs> <laughs> maybe later yeah so I think you know just to add on a bit more on what GT mentioned right it's we, we, we try to optimize for flexibility at the moment because we recognize that we're still very early on in terms of the uh, technology maturity stage. So we feel that it's it's quite important for us to retain that flexibility, right? Because there are so many things that can change. And we are still getting users to condition and learn about our product. So I think the better means forward for us is is really to observe what would make sense. And then we try to incorporate those elements into our token designs. So that, that, that is, that is kind of how we're seeing it. Right. No, I think that makes a lot of sense taking that approach. I mean, especially with the token where it's, it's such an important part of the ecosystem and it seems like every day protocols are coming out with new and innovative ways to do governance, to do revenue sharing, to uh, add token utility, so I, I think that makes a lot of sense, even though my listeners won't be as happy that you didn't drop all the alpha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it sounds like you guys are taking a very long-term approach, just like going back to the conversation, right, in, in reference to the first inning, is that the goal isn't for, you know, to make Pendle Moon today, it's to educate users, keep building on the product, um, and then, you know, build the, uh, the token usage will, will come, you know, will, 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 will be born from there. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we are we're certainly looking at the long-term approach and how we want to develop the product, right? And I mean, I just look at some of the more relevant blue chips today. It took them a while to get to where they are today. I still remember taking Aave, for example, right? As of, as of April 2020, the TVL was probably around $40 million, but they're so much bigger today, right? In, in, in just about a year and a half, so much could happen. So... I think if they had been very fixated about their tokenomics back then, a lot of things might not have happened and the outcome would have been very different. You know, similarly, we look at Uniswap. Around April last year, they were processing about a million dollars in trading volume on a daily basis. And today, I think they average around one and a half billion dollars every 24 hours. So again, I, I think especially... Just just using these examples, I think it's important to optimize for flexibility when the product is not sufficiently mature. So that's that's again like going back to our our decision to optimize for flexibility. We were taking references from some of these bigger projects. Yeah, and just to add on, like I feel like one of the benefits is that we, well, like uh, like one of the benefits of like uh, having worked together at Kyber is we do see a lot of successful projects that that you know really grinded through the bear market and i think that also influenced a lot of our thought process and like you know not like we are we're not building this for like a six-month pump and dump and we are really optimizing for long-term long-term success right right for sure and i love when devs have that long-term approach and especially over time having that flexibility i think is really important and the i think communities see that and appreciate that as well when they know like 
you know, it might be a slower grind at times, like you're saying, especially in like many in bears or whatever. But uh, over the long haul, you you build a stronger community because people don't see that, you know, this is your focus to make sure this is a product that's going to uh, last the test of time and, and and really continue to grow, which I think is absolutely the right approach. So talking about you guys in this space, You've already worked to create some partnerships and collaborations, such as with our friends in Rari, who have uh, been on the pod as well, where you can actually use OT tokens as collateral on Fuse, which is really awesome. Are there any other possible collaborations or benefits you think you can pr- provide to other protocols? You know, anything in the works you you're excited about and can tell us about? <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, just broadly speaking, like, I think there's a lot of potential opportunities out there. Uh, I mean, just in terms of like how nascent the product is, like um, utilizing OTs or YTs as just like Lego blocks is to me a, a big space to innovate in the future, you know, whether it's just like vaults or automated U hedging or U harvesting. Um, and we definitely respect what some, a lot of, what some products are, are building, are showing very strong traction on and and, uh, you know, community buy-in in the space. I think Ohm is a very good example uh, in terms of, you know, protocol-owned protocol own, uh, liquidity. And uh, definitely looking forward to leveraging on anything they build. Uh, uh, one of our uh, founding members is actually uh, a day one Omi. So, no, he's very open to uh, anything that Ohm builds. A day one Omi. Hey, that's that shit. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's where we get our brainwash. That's where we get brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what Jala did to me, man. <laughs> this guy, this guy that that we were referring to, like he's he's such a big supporter of Om, and he would literally flood us with materials from Om, especially in the earlier days when we were still trying to figure out how, like, more about the pr- protocol. I think as of now, he's still very loyal. He's yeah. He, he's, he's still freeing. holding on to the stash. Yeah, he, he's, he's not touched his stash. <laughs> Smart man. Smart man. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one day Jala cornered me in an alley and just, um, you know, wouldn't let me leave until he, he talked about Ohm for four hours and made me read all the docs and everything. Um, but, you know, it ended up being, it ended up being the, the right move. So I, I appreciate him for it. Yeah, for sure. I think there's something right about Ohm that we're, a lot of other projects are learning from. And certainly I can say it from our perspective as well, right? Ohm has cultivated such a strong and healthy community that it, it's, it's a, very case, a very good case study for, for a lot of us. And, you know, as we were considering how we want to approach the community building, we were referencing it quite heavily to Ohm. So in, in many ways, I think Ohm has influenced us in very good ways, not just not just community building, but how we want to approach product development as well. For sure, we're getting near the time limit here, unfortunately. But it is a tradition here on Goodwill Yunting to ask about the markets right now. So we recently had that. <laughs> we we were recently doing great. We were back at fifty k with Bitcoin. I was like, oh my God, I might be able to pay my rent now. Things were looking good. I was, it was a sunny day when I walked outside. The birds were, were, were chilling on my shoulders singing songs. And then 
all of a sudden one day everything just like died uh, now we're we're back to um the crab i guess i don't know um i mean your protocol seems like a great way to hedge against mar- markets in whichever way you choose for stability but i was curious if you guys had any thoughts on the current markets or if as developers you don't even really care about it at this point um i'm curious to hear what you uh you all think yeah maybe i can go first I think in general I would I would I would generally classify the market as I'm still pretty pretty optimistic about the entire market. Again, I, I, I will share it from say two perspectives, right? One is I'm aware that a lot of institutions are looking at crypto very, very seriously and they're putting serious money into into the DeFi or crypto ecosystem. So I think it's very telling when you see brand name VCs in Silicon Valley like A16Z and Ribbit Capital backing crypto-related or crypto projects and even the cryptocurrencies themselves. So that's one aspect. And secondly, I also think that there's a lot of interest from the retail side of things. And I, I, I use a very reactive indicator in the form of scammy messages that I receive on Discord or Telegram on a daily basis. Because as a relatively active participant in various communities, I get a lot of notifications every day about opportunities in crypto. And most of them are pretty scammy. And that tells me something about retail interest, right? Because these scams or ploys are generally not very sophisticated. So they work on probability. So it would make sense for scammers to get to work if the number of the potential prey is sizable enough. Again, they're, they're all looking at probability, right? So the fact that I'm receiving about one, two messages to invite me to deposit funds into some random addresses tells me that they are quite hard at work in trying to get people to deposit funds into yeah, their respective addresses. So, so generally, again, this is a very reactive indicator because it will it will only show up when there is a, a strong retail interest. And I, I think these are, in my opinion, pretty good signs that there are newcomers into the space. And I think because of that, right, I'm generally quite optimistic about the kind of demands in the DeFi products over time. So now we're seeing that people are very comfortable with yield farming. But in, in time to come, I'd say like in a few months, a year, we will probably be able to anticipate a bit more demand on the derivative side of things. So I would say that, you know, like based on my observations, right, the other thing that will likely happen as a result of the incoming of funds from the non-crypto sector to crypto sector will also encourage a bit more innovation and development in other DeFi products. So specifically, I think that under-collateralized loans is still a very, very hot category of DeFi products to work on. And we're also seeing a bit more participants in that category as well. And very interestingly, I also think that the cross-chain narrative is likely not too far away from happening. So... We're seeing some of these protocols like Avalanche, Phantom, they're they're announcing very, very 
aggressive plans to onboard developers and projects to their chains in order to encourage capital to their protocols. So I think over time, we will, at least in the near term, right, we will continue to see a couple of similar announcements from various layer one projects. And then when the dust settles, some of these projects will survive and, and, and probably spread across multiple ecosystems. And then that's where I think the, the bridges and the other interchain communication protocols will, will, will emerge and, and be more prominent. I, I just want to say, are you trying to tell me that I didn't win 10 KFC contests via Discord and that I'm not indeed going to be a millionaire? Uh, TL, TLDR bullish scams. <laughs> I, I, dude, I've, I've never heard that scams make someone bullish, but I, dude, that's 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 a sound argument, and I love it. I, I every time I see a scam message now, I'm gonna be so excited. I'm gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna pump soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think, I, continues. <laughs> yes, I think we should we should dance around the scam <laughs> observations. <laughs> I'm seeing a blow off, a blow off top right now. We gotta, we gotta create a market yeah, for you guys. Gotta create a market for that. Uh, a yield bearing token on on how many uh, Discord scam messages you get a day. I wanna, I wanna be able to speculate on that. Yeah, but um, could be interesting. Yeah. And just to like add on a bit, like I, I do think it's very interesting to see how NFTs have brought a lot, like a very new breed of very different type of person into the crypto market. I, I, I definitely think it acts as a Trojan horse in some way, uh, you know, like the different entry points into crypto, like before before NFTs got popular again, like the, it was very, you were talking to a lot of very like financially savvy guys and, and guys who were just exploring youth farming, but now it's like artists are just coming in and, and, and they are, they are changing their, their, their lives, right? Or like crypto is, Crypto is legitimately acting as a positive um, um, factor in your life. And, you know, once you go down that rabbit hole, like, there's no reason for you to go back. A hundred percent. I fully agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, generally, yeah. So, generally speaking, like, like I, I think, like, we tend to we tend to equate uh, retail coming in as the market top. But what if this time is different? <laughs> I love to hear it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Can I go off script? Can I go off script here? Yeah, I want to introduce what I hope will be a new Goodwill Yunting tradition and put you guys on the spot. Uh, each of you, I would like to know if you could choose one protocol today that you're really excited about to invest in. Non-Pendle division. Maybe let's skip Ohm because we're all Ohmies already. Like, what would it be and why? Well, for me, I would look into the cosmos ecosystem a bit more i'm generally quite bullish on atom because on the 1st of september they announced the interchain security aspect and i think that binds binds in the token utility quite nicely so basically previously they they were very as in like a, because there are so many different chains that reside on the bigger cosmos ecosystem right and every one of them were rather independent of each other. So they're making a proposal uh, or feature, right, to, to basically be more inclusive and have a shared layer of security. So that ties in quite nicely. And I think that that really 
enhances the utility of Atom Token more so than it is right now? Personally, I would uh, I would pick Luna and Terra for stablecoin because I can't pick Ohm. <laughs> um, but like you know, given given the state of things in the US, like I think the requirement for a truly decentralized stablecoin um, is is only going to get more and more um, apparent over time. And I think uh, Luna and Terra and USD UST is one of the few that have shown. Uh, you know, very good traction and promise, and very good traction, and have um, sustained their growth over multiple crashes. Uh, especially, especially the, especially the last was it March? That was the last crash. Uh, so I like times a bit of a weird spectrum now, but yeah. But um, <laughs> but uh, basically, like the 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 UST has survived very well despite going um effect, and they've gotten um more and more good ecosystem, good players in their ecosystem, like uh, job trading to help them manage their their expansion. So that would be my pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just add on to Greg, right? Because I'm a little greedy and I, I also am very bullish on Luna. So yeah, I, I think the entire strategy that they've adopted when it comes to product launches on the Terra ecosystem is, is frankly pretty brilliant. They started with in the very early days, right? They after after Luna and they and, and Chai, they have Anchor and then I mean Mirror and then Anchor, and, and these are very very good use cases for for UST. And then over time, we're also seeing the money markets, uh, Pylon and Mars, and maybe a few other insurance protocols to launch on the on, on Terra. So I I think what impresses me most about the ecosystem play is is really how they introduce these products to make the UST or Terra more inelastic. Pump our bags. Wow. Hello. <laughs> yeah, lunatics out there. So maybe all those, maybe all those replies uh, under every mention of uh, a stable coin about UST are real. <laughs> uh, those are just my alts. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. You're hard at work on uh, Twitter then, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I only get three hours of, three hours of sleep a day. <laughs> this is very bearish for Pendle. Uh, oh, 8,000 8, alts. 8,000 alts. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Please, please, you know, remove, remove this part from the, interview, from the, from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is out. That's the real alpha of the uh, podcast. <laughs> Every every lunatic is actually GT. All right, Ja, I love this segment. Way to think on your feet. We got to come up with a good name. Yeah, yeah, we got to we got to we got to we got to come up with a name for that. It's gonna happen again. Uh, this is why we pay you the big bucks, you know, because 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 you do stuff like this. Yes, sir. Anyone knowing or asking for it? <laughs> no, just kidding. Beautiful. All right. Any anything else you guys want to talk about um, before we close out here? Uh, actually, I would be like curious on what you guys think is a is a good protocol to, to what would be your protocol of choice. Oh boy, I don't, are we allowed to talk about that? Jaws, the podcast hosts. We're, we're killing this segment. We're killing this segment. <laughs> <laughs> the SEC is going to come after us. Um, maybe when we stop recording, we can uh, we can talk to you about that. <laughs> I I don't want Janet Yellen knocking at my door. I don't I don't even think she's the person anymore. But whatever. Um, yeah, off, 
off mic, we can we can uh, have a discussion about that. GT. Let's, let's do it next time. All right, let's take I this offline. Take it offline. I like it though. Turning it around on us. <laughs> yeah, they're using our own tactics tactics against us. I don't like it. Um, anything else that won't get me in trouble with the federal government that you guys want to talk about? How big is the Yen team now, actually? How big are we? Like in terms of people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in terms uh, of people. Because like... Um, yeah, I think there's, what, 17 of us and then one one dog? We have a dog who knows how to use a computer and is a part of Young Capital. I thought those were all TN Zalts also. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> my, my follow-up question is, how does one become a Yunt? Uh, it takes years of training in the Himalayas under under Master Guru Yunt. Damn. I would say there was there was one travel restriction prohibits me from doing that. <laughs> there was one seeding event. We were all born at the same time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's um. If we told you we'd have to kill you and everyone you have ever known, <laughs> well, I want to avoid that. So, <laughs> okay, okay. This, this is honestly, it's it's embarrassing how bad we are at answering questions the second they get turned on us. <laughs> Dude, this is, why do you think I host the podcast and am not a podcast guest, bro? I know how to ask questions. I, don't, I can't answer shit. <laughs> I, I will respect that decision. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, thank, thanks a lot for hosting us. It's been quite an enjoyable uh, podcast for us. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the session. Yeah, thank you guys both so much for coming on. It was on. a lot of fun. Um, thank can you we guys. share our Twitter stuff? Yeah, I was oh, just please. about to say that. Throw, give, give your Twitter, give, your, uh, give the Pendle website, anything else you've been working on that you want to show, please throw it out there. Yeah, so I, I would really encourage everyone to follow our Twitter account which is at Pendle underscore F-I. That, that's, that's, that's the venue that we, we, we are, um, one of the venues that we are active in. Uh, so on there, you'll be able to find the links to our site and also the Discord community. Awesome. Uh, do you guys want to share your personal Twitters at all? Anything else? Any other projects? Stuff like that? Yeah, sure. Like my personal Twitter account, I'm still uh, growing it. Uh, it's at TN underscore Pendle. Yeah, that's how much attachment that I, I, I have for, for Pendle. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have a public Twitter, so I'll call it once. I'll come up with one the next time I'm on here. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just follow everyone who, who shills uh, Terra and U UST. Um, so I'll, I'll follow all of your alts. You know, it'll be perfect. Thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Well, again, thank you both for coming on. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Great conversation here. Yeah, thanks again. Likewise, thank you for having us. It's been a wonderful session. Cheers. Thank you, guys. As always, you can find me on Twitter at the rogue underscore Uchiha, and you can find our boy Jala on Twitter at OX Jala. One quick but important disclaimer. 
Nothing said on this podcast is advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or tokens. We may, and often because we're passionate about the projects we bring on, hold investments in the project. None of this is financial advice. Please do your own research. This is a risky field. Now a word from our final sponsor, Gigabrain Industries. Stablecoins are all the hype right now. Decentralized, centralized, what holds the peg, what doesn't. But you don't need to worry about that anymore because from Gigabrain Industries, we now have a unstable coin. That's right, an unstable coin. You may be thinking, aren't most cryptocurrencies unstable? No, this one is the most unstable. The price is randomly generated on-chain via Oracle every day. It's a completely random number that has no relevance or attachment to anything in the outside world. Yes, that means you can buy one unstable coin for $1,000 and the very next day it could be worth one cent. Wow, isn't that beautiful? Now, you might be asking, Is it centralized? Is it decentralized? How does it work? I don't know. No one fucking does. It just changes number. Can it make you rich? Possibly. Is it going to make you poor? Probably. But hey, bring some instability into your life. Listen, you got a boring ass wife, a boring ass day job, some lame cringe kids. Why don't you spice things up a little with the unstable coin? Go to gigabrainindustries.com to lose your life savings today. Thank you to our sponsor, Gigabrain Industries, for that. I myself will be losing a lot of money very soon with Unstable Coin. Thank you so much again for listening to the latest episode of Goodwill Yunting. We'll be back in two weeks for an awesome, super special guest. Tune back in. As always, yunt hard, yunt fast, yunt. Yeah, but the whole